Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, November 24th, 2019, we bring you a special Baptism Sunday sermon out of Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40, by Pastor Jeff Stevens, titled, See, Here is Water. Enjoy. Well, I hope that you guys are uh, ready for a good old-fashioned church revival here today. This is the kind of subject that just absolutely gets me fired up. Because we're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about what it means to have faith. We're going to talk about what it means to be obedient to the call of God and to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, Lord, we just come to you right now. I know that even now, um, just even the words of offer of calling people to come, to get up and arise and to show and proclaim their faith is already causing certain people's hearts to even shudder. Lord, would you make it clear to them that your spirit is talking to them, that they are being called out from where they even sit to proclaim you as Jesus Christ as Lord and to be baptized in your waters. It is in Christ's name we pray, amen. If you want to follow along, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8 this morning. We'll be talking about the Ethiopian eunuch. This is an incredible passage. And it's in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Let me read it to you. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. And he was seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. It said, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. And so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scriptures, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water and Philip and the eunuch and he, has, he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azitas. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Man, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch 
is such a marvelous depiction for us of God's role in evangelism. The story starts with Philip, who's one of the seven original deacons who had just preached the gospel in Samaria. In fact, in Acts 8, 12, it says, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news, that is the gospel, about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So it's possible that Philip shared not only his experience of sharing the gospel, but it's possible that he also shared with him how they began to baptize both men and women, educating him of what the process of salvation, that when we receive the gift of faith and we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, the very next step is to be baptized. But Philip himself was visited by an angel who in fact told him to go south to a road that ran from Jerusalem to Gaza in the desert. It's kind of like God coming here today and the angel tapping on the shoulder saying, go to Needles or Blythe. (laughs) It's the middle of nowhere. You see, but Philip didn't ask why he was being sent to the middle of nowhere. He just simply went. On the road in a chariot was this Ethiopian eunuch who was just returning from Jerusalem and the eunuch was sitting in the chariot reading from the book of Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord told Philip to go over and join the chariot. How many times does God tap us on the shoulder and tell us, go share the gospel with that person? Go talk to that person. Or maybe he brings them to you and sits them next to you on an airplane or a bus or in a carpool, or at work. But when Philip drew close, he overheard the eunuch reading Isaiah out loud. Philip asked the Ethiopian whether or not he understood what he was reading. And the eunuch simply replied, how can I? Unless someone guides me. He then invited Philip to come sit with him in the chariot in verse 31. And the passage that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading was Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8, where it says, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? for his life was taken from this earth. You see, the eunuch was wondering whom the prophet was talking about. Was he talking about himself, Isaiah, or was he talking about someone else? Philip used this opportunity to explain the passage. This was the prophecy about Jesus Christ, the one who came and gave his life that those who would believe in him would have eternal life. As Philip explained the gospel, the Ethiopian eunuch believed. He came to this place of, I believe that this is the Messiah. I don't know how the gospel specifically was shared that day. The example that I'm using is simply called the Romans Road. In the Romans Road, we have copies of it out there at Info Central. If you just want to pick copies up and have them as handouts and when you get the chance to talk and share the gospel, it looks like this. Grab it, but here's what it sounds like when we share the gospel with someone. The first thing is the truth and transparency of who I am. I'm a sinner. 
Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. You see, so many people start their gospel message off with telling them that they're a sinner. I would encourage you to start by telling them that you're a sinner. Just as Christ did not come to this world to condemn it, it's not your job either. It's our responsibility to own this. My father used to always say to me, son, I don't want to go to church because it's filled with so many hypocrites. Amen, dad, there's room for one more. (laughs) For we're all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Or Romans 6.23 that explains what the result of sin is. For the wages of sin is death. Let me stop right there. If you don't know this fact or this statistic, let me help you with it. One out of every one dies. Because all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. But there's this incredible thing. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The hope that is set before us with the gospel. For many of you who know me know that when I travel and fly on planes, people always have to feel like they're compelled to ask in case we have synergy to sell something, right? They say, Jeff, so what do you do? I have to respond. It's my number one rule because I don't want to talk to people, right? I'm not going to lie. I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> but if a person comes to me and says, Jeff, what do you do? I have to say, what I do is nowhere near as interesting as the why I do it. Because I know that that why question is going to compel the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether you wash dishes, whether you fly the airplane, whether you just... Or you're, you're just a person walking down the street. Your role, your purpose, your purpose in life is to share the good news, the free gift of eternal life. Because Romans 5.8 says to us, but God shows his love for us and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That model of grace that Jesus Christ himself He set out for you, knowing that you're a sinner, that you are unclean, that you're impure. And he forgave you ahead of time, preemptively. And he engaged you. I have to ask you, if you're sitting here today and you know the person of Jesus Christ, eight some odd billion people in this world, why? Why did God set his affection upon you? I can tell you, it's not so that you will sit still and do nothing. It's because he's commanding you to arise and go. To share the good news of the gospel. (coughs) Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might aspire to be. Not I'm hoping you're going to get there. Not your good works will be the thing that gets you over the finish line. But if you just merely proclaim the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. This is an incredible promise. Romans 8, 1. It's important for us to know that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. To proclaim Christ is to be set free from the consequences of the law. To be set free from from all of God's wrath being poured out upon you. You see, the perfect one, the God-man, he was the only one 
who could endure the volume of the wrath that was poured out upon him. Even today as we take communion, when Jesus had that cup in the garden, it was the wrath cup. He asked God the Father, he said, if there be any other way, he just simply didn't want to. It wasn't the nails, it wasn't the whippings, it wasn't the scourging, it wasn't the mocking. It was the wrath of God the Father poured out upon him as he bore the sins of you and me. <coughs> but your will be done. So what follows this belief? Acts 2.38, we look at Peter. When Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I know God's working in some of your hearts right now. It's already pounding a little bit because you know that you have delayed and you've put off being baptized. Like me, when I first came to a saving knowledge, it was for five to six years I didn't get baptized. And the longer I went and the longer I preached the gospel, the longer I, read, I led youth ministries, I became ashamed of the fact that I'd never obeyed God in the obedience of being baptized. But I gotta tell you, that moment when I was immersed in that water and I rose up and I, for the first time, realized the power of being obedient to God. <coughs> when they came to the water, the eunuch, by the side of the water, the eunuch asked to be baptized. Philip agreed to baptize him and the Ethiopian eunuch gave the orders to stop the chariot. And then Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Tradition, of course, says that the eunuch carried the gospel back home to Ethiopia. Some say that he even was the first to start the Christian church in Ethiopia. But Philip found himself being carried away by the Holy Spirit and moved and compelled to continue to share the gospel. And all along his way, he, he went forward and he continued to share the gospel. Thank you, brother. And as he went, and he did this all the way through to when he ends up in Caesarea is where we last see him. There are so many elements of God's providence and intervention in the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. The account itself reveals the importance of at least three things. The three things that I want you to walk away in your mind with is, number one, the word of God. Verse 30 tells us, do you not understand what you're reading? Do you understand the word of God? Do you understand what it's compelling you to do? What it's commanding you to do? The principles that are applied to your everyday life? the power of the Holy Spirit working through your conscience to share the gospel with the person on your left or your right, the person in the grocery store. How much do you have to hate a person not to tell them what you know? A person's playing on the train tracks and you're the only one that knows that a train's coming. Will you not warn them? Will you not share the truth of the gospel with them? The second point is the Holy Spirit's leading. In verse 26, he told Philip to rise and go down this road. You see, there's no accidents. There's no coincidence. 
There's no luck. People sometimes say to me as I'm getting ready to preach, Jeff, good luck up there. As if we believed in luck. I don't believe in luck. I believe in a sovereign God who's in control of all things. And he's in control because he even compelled all of you to be here today. Sure, you may have had a little kicking and screaming with the spouse saying, oh, I don't want to go this morning. But at the end of the day, you're here because the Holy Spirit wants you here. And there are people who have risen and have come forward because these people are human evangelists, which is point number three, verse 29. We are to be evangelists. Verse 29 says, go over and join. You see, we can't stay in our little holy huddles talking to the believers we like the most. It's that person who's standing there alone who knows nobody. It's that person who you see that is reading and maybe they're reading the very word of God like the book of Isaiah, but they don't really understand it. And God has put it upon your heart to go and actually tell them what it means, that it points to the the Messiah to come, and the Messiah to come is none other than Jesus Christ. You see, in order for a person to accept the truth of God, he or she must first hear the truth, and they must hear the truth preached. Romans 10, 14 says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? You see, that's not my job, that's our job. It is God's desire that the truth be preached to everywhere. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Earlier we read about Peter that when they were baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon them. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The Spirit of the Lord has been preparing the eunuch's heart to receive the gospel before the very foundation of the world. And as the eunuch read Isaiah, he began to ask questions. And at just the right moment, the Lord brought Philip across his path. Brothers and sisters, the field is ripe for harvest. John 4.35, Jesus himself tells us that I tell you to lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. There's There's not four months to go, it's now. The harvest is enormous and the laborers are few. The church is calling upon you to be that laborer like Philip Because Philip was God's labor in the field that day. This was no coincidence. It was God's plan from the very beginning, and it was Philip who was obedient to that plan. So you have to ask yourself, what's your role here today? Why did God bring you here today? Are you an evangelist of the gospel? Are you a preacher of his word? Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit lead you to where you need to go? If so, I would simply say, follow the command of God and rise and go. You see, as a church, as a body, if we will simply take care of the depth of the ministry, God will take care of its breadth. 
Focus on deepening your commitment to following the person of Jesus Christ and God will add to our numbers every day. The command is simple, Matthew 28, it's part of our mission. Love God, love people, make disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. This isn't a command upon pastors. This is a command upon all of us. The command is a call upon you to go. Don't form another Bible study to determine what this could possibly mean. Go. Go and make disciples. At your workplace, in your home, to the stranger on the street. (coughs) But like the Ethiopian eunuch, some of you here today, you're in need of being baptized. Some of you maybe were baptized as an infant or as a small child. I would ask you to ask yourself, was that your faith or your parents? Because if it's your, it wasn't your faith, then arise and go forward today. Be baptized. We have everything behind the scenes that you could possibly need. You will not ruin your clothes. Ladies, you will ruin your hairdo. But I'm going to tell you. It's better to ruin your hairdo in obedience to the person of Jesus Christ than to stand there without an excuse. Because what I want to call upon you as our congregation, I know there are many of you who are baptized as infants and I'm calling you today to be a believer and be baptized. Confess with your mouth to the public that Jesus Christ is Lord and I want to be baptized as an act of obedience of the faith, the gift that God has given me. For some of you who have deferred baptism for years, sometimes decades, one lady in the last service told me, she says, oh, Pastor Jeff, she says, when you first said it, I felt like, oh, yeah, here it goes, he's talking to me. And as it kept building and it kept going, by the time it was done, the Holy Spirit grabbed me and pulled me by my lapels. I didn't even tell my husband why. He thought I was going to the restroom. I just got up and I went forward. That could be you. If your heart is beating and pounding out of your chest right now, it's not a heart attack. It's the Holy Spirit calling upon you to step forward in faith and to simply do as the Ethiopian eunuch. See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Not a doggone thing. I'm going to call you to come and be baptized as I call upon those who are gonna serve in this process of the baptism to come forward. Our Father and our God, Lord, we thank you, we praise you. Man, we worship and adore you. We thank you for your gospel. We thank you for what your son did and accomplished on the cross for our part. For you, Lord, have set us free. You, Lord, have, have given us this great opportunity to arise and go. I pray that you would put it upon the hearts of every man and woman in this room today to not be fearful, but to stand up boldly and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord and be baptized in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit to have the Spirit come upon them in such a way that they then go and they make disciples of all nations. Oh, how we love you, Lord. 
And we call upon your spirit to work in our hearts even now to glorify you in all that we say and do. Amen.